1: Ich warte seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied Das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen
0: zieht Hello and welcome to GIG Impressing, the Bundesliga podcast from the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn, and joining me as always, is Manu Vet. Manu, how's your week been?
3: Yeah, it's good. Uh, happy the Bundesliga is back. Happy that we can talk about actual football. Although I feel like this week we're not going to talk too much about football because it's transfer sagas, isn't it? That's basically the main theme. But yeah, all good. Don't worry, it's not going to be long until all
0: the transfer sagas are oh, all over God. and we can... <laughs> We yeah we can focus just mainly on the football, but yeah I think we can all agree that we're excited to have the Bundesliga back. And a man that was over there in Germany reporting back for Football Grad was Chris Williams. Chris, how was your weekend?
2: Um, quick, Bryce. So it's on the ground for yes. uh, forty four hours. I did a lot of driving, um, saw 180 minutes of football and one deflected goal. So not the best weekend. But the last time I was over in Germany, we saw 16 goals in two games. So you can't really complain, and I'm not going to complain.
0: No, definitely not. As you've said over the weekend, you win some and you lose some. But um, yeah, we've got plenty to talk about this weekend. But joining uh, me and the fellas, a very special guest. And it's uh, Borussia Dortmund's ESPN correspondent and the host of the Yellow Wall podcast. If you haven't heard of it, get tuned in. Stefan Brusco. Stefan, thank you very much for coming on the show today.
4: Hello, thanks for having me. And yeah, I'm gonna complain because some idiots put uh sabotage the uh, train line between Hanover and Berlin and hence I was stuck in Wolfsburg and Hanover for freaking ever. And uh yeah, that, that annoyed me being <laughs> on the road trying to cover that Wolfsburg game. Uh yeah, that that was pretty annoying, so you know Chris isn't complaining, but I am
0: right away. <laughs> hey, you're gonna you're gonna bounce things out here are you
4: yeah I, also I, also it was Watzke who who said I think on, on Sky on Sunday who who also wanted to talk about football and he said that he's annoyed and that he wants the uh, transfer window to shut on like August the 1st or August 6th by the latest so once the season starts people can actually focus on the football and don't have to talk about transfer
3: sagas so and I very much agree yeah 100% behind that 100%. Yeah, I
2: think we all are, up not we? Yeah. That might happen next season. Premier League looking at it already. So if the Bundesliga backs it as well, that's two of the top five leagues. I think the other three will fall into line.
0: Yeah, it'll be nice to be able to focus on it when it does get started. Instead, we're going to go uh, slightly off aren't we we're going to go slightly away from the games and we're going to speak uh today obviously focusing a little bit more on Dortmund especially as we've got Stefan on here uh but it was a fantastic uh weekend uh for them uh winning 3-0 uh, as the guys will be uh, very happy on here Stefan and Chris um Stefan what did you make of the game what, what can you take away with a pretty good day at the office for Dortmund right
4: yeah, certainly. I mean, I read on fo- on, on Facebook a, a nice little comment there is that Dortmund had an easy game because they played against uh, table bottomless. <laughs> I don't know if you want to argue with that logic, but at least it made me chuckle. And uh, yeah, I guess there's a little truth in in the that in the sense that Wolfsburg were absolutely horrible and. Uh, for ESPN I have to do player ratings and I also have to uh write down what's positive, what's negative, and there wasn't really much negative to write for for Dortmund on, on this weekend at, at least, and uh so I, I just wrote down how, how bad Wolfsburg were and how little you can actually take away for Dortmund because Wolfsburg were that poor. Uh that being said, however, I was impressed uh having seen the entire preseason of Dortmund, how well they uh yeah, handled the ball. How? Um, yeah, they actually had had some possession game going because beforehand they did not have any structure, and uh, yeah, they did come out with sixty three percent of uh, possession. I think it was even around seventy five or so on the, in the first half, and uh, it was good to see that. Uh, yeah, that eventually Dortmund had some structure. And I asked Mario Götze why that was, and he basically told me that. Uh, in preseason you you play with way more risk and uh, when the important games start you are a little bit more risk averse. And hence, uh, yeah, you keep the ball a little bit better and I guess that made a lot of difference and Dortmund looked way more cohesive and coherent. And uh, I guess we'll talk about Usman Dembele in a second but um, I, I guess a lot of uh, Dortmund fans will feel a little bit more at ease having seen Christian Pulisic stepping up to the plate and uh, not only hammering down... Uh, a beautiful strike in a, in a long corner from yeah, from the edge of the box, but also playing one assist. I think that was a really good performance, in the, even with all the injuries that Dortmund right, have right now with uh, Royce, Weigel, Guerrero and André Schöle and Shiji Kagawa not being 100% fit and Mahmoud Dahoud, for example, also not being 100% fit. Uh, even the squad they had out on the field with uh, Maxi Philipp and uh, yeah, all the other Eleven players—they—they uh, they still look very, uh, yeah, competitive, let's say, and absolutely, yeah, outclassed Wolfsburg on that day, who again looked very, very incoherent
3: and were just rubbish. Stefan, um, Mario Götze—I mean, I live I live in North America. I spend a lot of time in North America, and of course, Christian Pulisic was the story over here. But um, I feel that Mario Götze was. Probably the key player for those first sixty minutes, you know, the 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 link-up play that he did in midfield. Without that, you don't have a Pulisic show. What did you make? That <laughs> of... is true. It is true, isn't it? And I think that, yeah. it, and it's really nice to see that because of his metabolic disorder and all that. Um what was his mood like? You you said you spoke to him. I'm really curious. Do you feel that you know we're gonna see the old Götze uh, from you know when from back five six years ago?
4: Well. I guess we'll never see that Götze because, uh, as Matske put it, very, <laughs> uh, yeah, very bluntly, I would say, old Götze back in the day tried to be like Messi, but now he's more trying to be like Iniesta from the way he's playing. And so Götze said it himself he uh, feels very comfortable in that. Uh, Midfield in in the middle in the midfield, um, on a number eight position when it's centrally and where he can basically be the link-up player, have his little freedoms and go in between the lines and whatnot. That's where he feels like a fish in the water. And uh, yeah, you were right. And especially with Pulisic, he had really great synergies down on on the pitch. And uh yeah, I think if Götze plays on like that and he isn't even at hundred percent yet, at least that's what he said. Then. Uh, yeah, he should be. I mean, he's one of the best players in Germany when at 100%. Then he should be a very pivotal player for Dortmund. And I think uh, the very good news is for Götze and something he didn't find at uh, Guardiola at Bayern, for example, is that he fits into the uh, system of Peter Bosz because that's uh, always important for a player, and especially for Mario Götze, that he has a spot where, yeah, he can actually show his strengths. And uh, right now, with his intelligent positioning, crisp passing, everything you basically need to to yeah, be a strategic mind, Götze is making a lot of difference, although he's maybe not as spectacular on the eye, but Dortmund have other players for that, like Pulisic.
0: Yeah, what a start indeed! Um, covered fairly well there by Stefan. I mean, you even look at some of the stats. I mean, you look at Wolfsburg didn't even have a shot on target the entire game uh, with Dortmund's over six hundred and fifty passes. A, a, a brilliant start for uh, Peter Bosz, I'd imagine, Chris. But um, one of the highlights surely is going to be Bartra's fantastic goal. But is there any other highlights that they can take from this before we go and speak to something that is a little bit more trouble?
2: Um, well, I only saw highlights of the game myself because I was in Hoffenheim, but from what I saw, they looked very good. Uh, Wolfsburg looked as poor as when I saw them in the first leg of their uh, relegation playoff at the back end of May, or sorry, in May this year, back end of last season. Um, and I'm glad Christian Pulisic did well because uh, obviously I wrote the Dortmund preview for Stat, and um, he's, I've got him down as going to be the star of the season. And it's probably a good time. To go to what who I've got down as a disappointment of the season, and even though a ball hasn't been kicked yet, I don't think anyone is going to be more disappointing than uh, Dembele.
0: No, and speaking of Usman Dembele, uh, Stefan, can you give us a bit of an update as to what exactly is the situation there with him? Obviously, he'd been linked plenty with Barcelona. Uh, is he going? Is he staying? What What's the story there?
4: Well, since Borussia Dortmund CEO Hans-Joachim Watzke right now is not missing a single microphone <laughs> to state his opinion, we are actually quite in the picture of what is going on. And, uh, he said on Sunday, so yesterday that he believes the chance of them transferring is below 50%. Although he didn't really say how far below, still that's, uh, that's quite telling because, uh, yeah, I think he has a very good picture of how the negotiations are going with Barcelona. And uh, yeah, it's it's either Barcelona or Dembélé staying at Dortmund. And if if I had to guess, I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Um, Michael Zorc said before the Wolfsburg match that uh, they will not wait until the last day of the transfer window and uh, the Sportbild has broken the story today and I think they got that news right from uh, the Dortmund board. That's the transfer window for Dembélé's uh, ends on Sunday this week. So after Dortmund's Hatter match, I think we will know more whether Barcelona will come up with the 140, 150 million Dortmund are asking. So yeah, in general, this is a very interesting scenario because as I think everyone at least I assume everyone who's listening to this podcast has known by now that Usman Dembele went on strike since Thursday last week and, uh, yeah, has moved to France since waiting on a decision. And Dortmund has, of course, suspended him, but I, I assume he would still be on strike if they hadn't. So, um, yeah, Hans-Joachim Watzke said he is suspecting that Barcelona are behind us in one way or another because he said... Uh, They negotiated with uh, the Catalans on one day and the next day, Dembele doesn't show up to training. He says he can't prove it, but, uh, you know, everyone can come to their own conclusions. So, yeah, and he has talked a lot about showing strength as a club and also for the Bundesliga. (laughs) (laughs) It sounded very Karl-Heinz (laughs) Rummenigge-esque, but... uh, yeah, he has in, in so far a point that it's it's very important that Dortmund do not back down and uh, try to, uh, yeah, push the the prices down uh, by Dembele's strike. But yeah, just stay firm and say in the end, Dembele probably will want to play football again if even if he has to stay in Dortmund. I mean, when he joined Dortmund, he already said uh, Barcelona is my is my dream club. So of course, uh, he's 20 years old, maybe not the brightest in his decision-making. So, yeah, in the end, I, I think if you listen to Nuri Schein and uh, a lot of other players, they all say what he's doing is not right, but they also say always in a sentence that there should be a solution. So I would say the communication of the club, the uh, strategy he is already trying to moderate uh, reintegration of Usman Dembele into the team. And I think uh, if he is to stay on that will happen. And now, after my long monologue, I will give back to you to discuss this.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, well, you actually just uh, spoke to uh, Pierre-Emerick obamian uh, uh, as well, haven't you, Stefan, about the situation? Uh, let's just hear what he has to say ab- ab- about the whole saga.
5: A good start, yeah, a good start. Important, is it? Was important, of course, because the first game of the season, it's always important, and... Uh, Everybody have to know that Borussia Dortmund is ready for this season.
4: I think you have a quite close relationship to Us.
5: Are you in contact with him at the moment? Yes, all the time. I'm in. I'm in contact with him. So yes, it's a difficult situation for for him and for the club. So yeah, that's it. That's only what can I say. I can understand the club and also I can understand him. What do you say to him when you? Ah, uh, nothing special. Uh, I have nothing to say this time because, yeah, it's his future. So he, he has to see. He has to take the decision.
1: So. Okay,
5: it's my friend. So yeah, <laughs> you know, you know how it is. Yeah.
1: Okay. Okay. Thanks. Thank you.
3: So Stefan, I mean,
0: obviously. Um Pierre Amik Obama. I'm trying to say that he's not really trying to sway him either way. Uh do you see um and you mentioned that the other players you know they don't think that maybe he did the right thing in striking. Uh but do you see there being a way back from uh Ousmane Dembele, you know, uh, after all this do you think the fans will accept him? Uh and and I suppose the, the playing and coaching staff.
4: Well, that's a, that's a very good question because I assume I, of course, can't predict it, but I assume that there will be a backlash by the fans in some sort of way, that there might be boos and whistles when he steps out in front of the yellow wall in Dortmund. So, you know, that can happen. And I don't know how this will affect his performance. I don't know how professional he is. And Peter Bosz uh, is known to yeah be very uh, eager or, or let's say he has his principles when it comes to players and their behavior, and uh, he already yeah, ousted a couple of players at Ajax where he was just ruthless and said, "Okay, you are not playing anymore." But I guess uh, you know the board will try to t- talk some sense into him because he's just that difference maker. He is. Uh, I don't know if he's the best player on the team. That's. Uh, I don't know. That's a debate for some for for another day. But uh, he is certainly outstanding when it comes to one on one to dribblings and whatnot. So um, yeah, he always makes a difference for Dortmund. He basically won them the cup last season. So to answer the question, I personally believe that there is a way for him to get back as I already alluded to before Aubameyang spoke that uh, players are trying to yeah, say that there's a window open for him if he apologizes and, and whatnot. But uh, yeah, it probably won't be just as uh, nice
3: as it has been before he went on strike. Yeah, but it shouldn't be. You know, I think that maybe that's exactly what he needs to also develop as a player. No, of course, he needs to grow up. Yeah, he needs to grow up and he doesn't need to get his way. I think it'd be a very good lesson for him if he doesn't move. And I can, I mean, we've all experienced the yellow wall, both in the positive and the negative. And I think stepping in front of that after this entire circus will be a very humbling experience for him. And maybe exactly what he needs to also grow as a personality because that seems to be what's lacking. I'm sorry, but if you act the way he did... And I get it. He's a 20 year old kid. We all probably did things as 20 year olds that weren't exactly mature, but never, never. <laughs> no, well, you I mean that's fair enough, right? And I think that's something that we always have to remember that these are essentially, they're still kids. But at the same time, I think that is maybe exactly what he needs as a player to grow up. I, I mean, um, so next Sunday is the deadline, right? So it will be the, the week after that or two weeks after that, that the earliest he could play back home in Dortmund, right? Because they have a home game next weekend. And then they yeah, have enough If They play here
4: to Berlin. Then it's international break. Yeah. Um, so it, one question I wanna I wanna throw back into the show maybe uh, for you, Chris. How do you actually think uh, if Dortmund stay firm? Uh, yeah, back down from from the asking price, uh, and Dembele stays in the end. Uh, what kind of signal do you think does this send to the Bundesliga, if any at all?
0: That was just the question I was about to ask. Uh, yeah, of course it, it was. <laughs> um,
2: it sends a massive signal because. When people, especially when you get English people and and British people watching the Bundesliga, they will always go, it's a great league, but they always sell, all the teams always sell the best players. And you can look at the likes of Mkhitaryan, Gniongans over here, um, and and then teams selling onwards to Bayern like Sula or Rudy. They say that it's a fantastic league, but maybe it leaks too many players from the top teams out. Um, I think it would send a massive message to the rest of Europe, that you know, now clubs aren't willing to sell, and it's it's not just those in a Bundesliga. I think there's a few clubs in this window that have the potential to really knock out player power. There's, there's players on uh, in a Premier League who are on strike, one of them's also you know in a uh, link with Barcelona, and now you've got Dembele as well. So if Dortmund remains strong. Uh, and then Liverpool and also Southampton remain strong I think we could see a bit of player power broken because clubs are just going to say okay well you're going to be suspended you're not going to play for two three four weeks and you can't force your way out I know Dembele's a young lad I think serious questions need to be asked of Barcelona because he's not the only player that has gone on strike um, for Barcelona so what are they saying I'd like to see UEFA take a strong stance on them because they've been done for tapping up before and I whether it gets me into trouble or not, I'm of the opinion that Barcelona have tapped up both Dembele and Coutinho. And I think something needs to be done about it desperately. And they obviously put all their eggs in the Neymar basket and they thought they could just steamroller a a couple of teams into selling their best players and it's not gone the way they wanted. And I think they brought out some horrendous tactics. But to answer your question... I think it would be brilliant for the Bundesliga to say, you know, no, or to Dortmund to say no, and for the league to keep hold of its best players, because it needs to keep hold of its best players, because you know, especially for Dortmund, I think that if they can keep hold of them, Bailey, it's, you know, it's I've tipped them to win the league. I think uh, they're young enough and they're strong enough. I think they've uh, added at the back with Toprak, although we didn't see him, with the Hood coming into the centre. I think that's a really good midline. And when I wrote the preview, I said it's a midline to um Rifle, when Gagnon and Mkhitaryan were together. And obviously up front, it's not a problem. You've got a Bamiyang and then you've got Pulisic. Then um, Bailey, if he stays, uh, Royce when he's back, Gotsch, Schuler can even do something, um, you know. And you've got even Alexander Isaac, who's a brilliant prospect, can come, uh, can come on. And hopefully, we'll see him at some point in this season, especially in a Pokal. So I would love to see Dortmund keep him um, because I think he's a fantastic player, and I get a real buzz watching him play, uh, you know, week in, week out. His, his speed is just frightening, and I think he's key to the um, Bosch system. And, I think Dortmund stand on maybe an edge now of where they have got a brilliant manager, um, a, a forward-thinking manager who plays well. He's, he's playing that 4-3-3 straight away, which we talked about last season at great length, which is Dortmund's best setup, up And both Manu and I said it was 4-3-3. And when it wasn't played by Tuchel a bit, we were a little critical. Uh, I think Dortmund have got everything now to challenge what is an aging in Bayern. Uh, and Hoffenheim, I think, will be, Eyes on if they drop into the Europa League. We'll talk about that later. Obviously, from my own perspective, I hope they do, and I think Leipzig will be sidetracked by the Champions League group stage. So for Dortmund, I really hope they keep hold of him and they can integrate him back in because I think he could be key to winning the league this season.
3: But Chris, you Chris, you're touching on something there, though. That I mean, we're all talking about Barcelona trying to tap up players and you know forcing players to break their contracts. But the truth is that every club has done that. I mean, Liverpool are one team that, you know, they have to be very careful being complaining about Barcelona. Look at the Navy Cater situation or look at what they did with Van Dijk. And then, uh, of course, Dortmund, uh, we all remember how they got Michitarian, right? Uh, Michitarian went on strike and escaped. <laughs> yeah, only es- Watzke didn't remember. <laughs> yeah, no, no <laughs> one never. remembers, no one remembers yeah, this yeah. when you did it we yourself, right? <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. I think, I, I mean, you have a very important point. Uh, I also remember when Bayern basically stood firm with Frank Ribéry and the Frank Ribéry moment was a very important one for Bayern because it catapulted them into that you know, top five category in the world, because all of a sudden they were not a seller's club anymore. And I, I think you're right. Bundesliga teams need to stand firm. But in the end of the day, um, you know, Bundesliga teams are just as guilty down the chain to do exactly what both Barcelona are doing right now. And as are English teams, I think this is a practice that's pretty common, sadly. Yeah,
2: you know? yeah I'm I just saying that if it could be broken by the very top. It may it may stop it. I mean, all that happens is agents put in ridiculous release clauses mm. and that's how they get around it. But I would like to see this, oh, I don't want to play for you anymore. Um, I think Nagelsmann said it. He said you don't get a loan from the bank and then, you know, halfway through paying, you just say, oh, I don't fancy paying this anymore. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? Um, you contract into play. You work around it. I don't think going on strike – Um, Stefan you just couldn't go into ESPN and say I'm going on strike and you you know you couldn't do it with a Bundesliga I'm just going on strike because I don't like what you're doing I want to get paid more by someone else you know life doesn't work like that well I could
3: but then I'd be fired
2: (laughs) (laughs) exactly and I know you know football clubs aren't going to fire players but you know
3: yeah
2: it's a good old English play just throw him in the reserves and let him rot and maybe a, a club needs to do that. I'm not saying that Dortmund do that with Dembele because I think it should integrate him in back, but at some point it comes to a stop where whoever's in charge of the game, be it UEFA or, or especially in Europe or FIFA, come down hard and say, no, this tapping-up has got to stop.
0: Well, guys, just before we move on uh, and move away from uh, Dortmund, uh, Stefan, uh, uh, a final word on it. Um, if Dembele stays or goes, uh, firstly, are, are Dortmund going to invest, are they gonna buy anyone else, bring anyone else in by the end of the transfer window? And if he does stay or go, um do you agree with Chris that they, they might win the league?
4: That one, I'm not really sure uh if they will come up with a replacement if uh, Dembele is being sold. Um they said if they find someone that yeah makes sense then they will splash the cash and if not they'll just think they have a strong enough squad. And uh, yeah, I guess it depends a little bit with the uh, on the Marco Royce injury. He's out until 2018. They have to make a decision whether, uh, yeah, it's it's a bigger risk to uh, play the half season without uh, yeah big cover or not, because uh, in in the end I think with Pulisic, Royce, Schüller, uh, even Emre Moore is still there, so uh, there there should be enough depth. So I'm. I'm pretty sure that they will look out for someone. I would like to see, let's say, Julian Brandt, for example. Um, I think he could do a very good job, but I don't know if Leverkusen would sell him. Of course, Dortmund would have to splash the cash themselves then, because then they would just be in the same situation as Barcelona are in right now. And to answer the other question, uh, if Dortmund win the championship this season i still don't see it uh, I feel like we're still a little bit in that overreaction monday episode where Dortmund looked pretty strong against hapless uh Wolfsburg and Bayern did not look so good against Leverkusen and uh yeah had a little bit of luck to win that game although i mean scoring from set pieces isn't entirely isn't just luck but uh yeah they they looked worse than they have been before but i still don't see uh, yeah, over thirty-four match days, Dortmund matching Bayern's pace. So I'm sorry, Chris, I don't, I don't see it quite happening yet. But you know, I, I wouldn't mind if it was the other way because just think of the children, ten-year-olds now haven't even witnessed consciously another team winning the German league than Bayern.
0: Mm. That's a really lovely point. Think- Think of the children. Yeah, And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> we're going to move on. We're going to speak about uh, Bayern Munich and just how they got on. They opened up the weekend and the season with a 3-1 victory over Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, let's go to Manu on this one, mm. I feel. Um, obviously, uh, your hometown. Uh, you're not quite a Bayern fan, but um,
4: you also... (laughs) He's a Bayern uh, fan, he's not Bayern Munich. (laughs) Yeah,
0: well, well, you also mentioned that Bayern Leverkusen may be um, possible title contenders this year or that they would have a a much better year than what they have uh, last year. Uh, How did you find the game? Obviously, 3-1 win, was it even close or was it one-way traffic with Bayern?
3: Well, the statistics say that it wasn't one-way traffic. Of course, Bayern are Bayern and, you know, they're playing at home in the Allianz Arena. It's perhaps the most unthankful task to start a season um, away at Bayern Munich opening game of the Bundesliga. But, I mean, last year Bayern demolished Werder Bremen 6-0. So I I think that this has been the most vulnerable I've seen Bayern Stefan mentions the children in five years. <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's a long time, but I think that something isn't quite right, um, in Munich and you can sense it. You can sense it when you're in the city too, that there is, there is a sense that the atmosphere isn't, um, positive. You know, it isn't a closed shop either. Um, and I think some of that is due to Hernes maybe coming back. It's, it's, a, it, there's a bit of an unbalance. As also Frank Ribéry and Robin, that are aging, but are holding or clawing onto their positions. And I think they're struggling really to not find the players that they need, because they can always get any player that they want, but to find the right setup to bring in these new players. And I... I don't know. It's just, I, I get that sense that not everything is right, but then they go and win this game, even though I thought that Leverkusen, and again, the numbers suggest that I'm right about this, we're the better team on the pitch. But, you know, then in the end of the day, you got someone like Lewandowski, who just puts it in. And, uh, you have someone who comes in from France, like Tuliso for 41 million euros, and he's just a difference maker. So it's, it's really hard to say. I think. I, yeah I mean it's it's a tough one for me because um I can see Bayern just getting the results in the league and maybe completely and utterly failing in Europe but I can also see the wheels coming off at any moment like we had in the in that second year under Louis van Gaal so it's just it's it's a hard it's hard to put a finger on it but there is something is not quite right um with this Bayern set up right now
4: Yeah it's still early in the season so it's yeah. really hard to put your finger down However I would say if we look in the bigger picture at at Bayern, you can see Michael Reschke, the mastermind, has gone. And you you certainly get the sense that Bayern peaked two years under Guardiola and now it's all going slightly downhill. And that doesn't make you euphoric about your club when you're a Bayern fan, knowing it's not going to get better but worse for now, of course. The players they signed are exciting, but uh, having to do without Lam and Chabi Alonso is going to be a blow one way or another. And what I see when I look at Bayern, I see uh, a positional play that was so brilliant at Pep Guardiola and that uh, basically made made teams give up before they came there. And I think a lot of it has to do with psychological, with, with the psychological game because yeah. As I said before, a lot of teams went to Munich and said, oh, well, if we just lose 3-0, that's going to be a good day for us. And and uh, I think that's going to change because I think other teams will smell blood because Bayern seem just that little bit more beatable. They don't attack as aggressively anymore. Their pressing isn't as sharp anymore. They don't retain possession as well. I think the the stat was that Bayern only had 51% possession which is nothing for Bayern Munich so um, that basically tells you everything and I have big concerns about their fitness too I already saw that the Super Cup after 70 minutes they were completely flat they were tired there was nothing left and the same again against uh, Leverkusen and they even had a longer break due to the uh, heavy weather the heavy rain that was coming down there and and still after 70 minutes the last uh, 20 minutes Bayern were basically all last ditch of course Hummels had to go and they had a makeshift backline with uh was it Rafinha Kimmich. Zülen Alaba, which of course isn't great, but uh, nevertheless the the structure, the positional play is not as as good as it was before. And yeah, Bayern just seemed that little bit more beatable. And I think even if it's just five percent drop off, that makes all the difference for for teams to to smell blood, as I said before. And and hence I, th- I think the league will be a little bit more exciting this season. But uh, yeah, they still have that that much quality in their side that individually I. I
3: Think Bayern will save their own bacon in one way or another. Stefan, I also thought that Leverkusen could have come back into this game. You know, I I sense that, especially in the second half, the Bayern seemed, and this this you never had that before. When Bayern went up by two goals, the game was over and done, right? that the other team would not have had a chance. And if Leverkusen had been a bit more ruthless, scored that second goal. (laughs) A little bit, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. And it wasn't much. someone, please. Yeah. Someone score. Yeah, someone score. Because they had so many chances in the second half. And I bet you, if they had scored that second goal, it would have fallen apart for Bayern. And that is something that we haven't seen in probably three years, three or four years, with that Bayern side. You know, you, as you said, under Guardiola, and I was many times in the stadium when Guardiola was the coach. And you had the sense that that team was invulnerable. No matter who came, that team was not beatable. And it took someone like Real Madrid maybe or Barcelona to get there and, you know, put the fear into them. Everyone else was just, you know, breakfast for them. But Leverkusen, um, even when they were down 3-1, I had a sense, you know, if they get... Another goal, we'll have a wide open game here. And that is something I haven't seen in quite some time. And I can sense, you know, any any other team coming there to Munich or Bayern playing on the road, um, that they would get punished for this.
0: Well, I mean, well, if, we, if we even look at the stats in the second half, I mean, Leverkusen had almost double the amount of shots. It was 11 to 6. They had more possession. You know, it, it does suggest that, you know, they, they did have. Plenty of opportunity to to you know, get more of of this game than just a, a three one loss. Uh, Chris, uh, Stefan obviously mentioned that other teams should maybe go into this with a, a different attitude, and Bayern are going to be away to Vernon Bremen next. Do you think Alexander Nuri and his men should be going into it with the attitude that we we can really take it to Bayern and, and we might be able to win this one rather than maybe previously teams going and thinking well maybe a draw'll do or or we're done for before we even get going.
2: Well, Manu's pushing the Leverkusen drum quite hard, isn't he? Because I think we need to remind him that he did actually tip them for the title. Which I didn't I, say I still, title, I said I they would push it. for it. <laughs> um, I still don't know if he was drunk when he said that. Um, but yeah. well,
0: th- well, this week he's laughing about it, and last week we were laughing about it. I think that says a lot.
2: Yeah, uh, I thought they were all right. I only saw highlights myself again in this game because I was travelling down to uh, Stansted for my flight. Um, and what I saw was a of strong opening uh, by Bayern. I thought their two new signings uh, were excellent, and I, I didn't think maybe they'd come up uh, with the goods as quickly as they have done. Maybe Bayern were a, a lot better on the eye than they were pre-season. I thought they were dreadful pre-season, especially in the Audi Cup, which you saw uh, the whole of. I thought they were terrible. So you know they will be pleased that they come back for that. But yeah, I, I will agree with Manu that they look vulnerable. Um, and it maybe would have been nice if we would have seen a second Leverkusen goal go in and, and then maybe they could have been a little bit tested. So will they be tested next week? Uh, I'm not sure because it wasn't a great game uh, at Hoffenheim. And I didn't think that uh, Nuri's Bremen played particularly well, although they did do enough to to win it. Um, at one point, Florian Kainz, I don't know how. Um, he missed the opportunity. He did. I had to watch it back about four times to just make sure it didn't go in. He steered the ball to the left of the post for it. It must have been three yards, open goal, maybe four yards might be being doing a disservice there. Um, But I thought that they looked like a team who were on the opening day. Bremen did. And it may, might take a while um, for them to settle down a bit, but I did think that Delaney was very good. Impressed me. Um, Bauer, uh, I thought, was okay at the back. I don't know how he's not being credited with an own goal, though. Um, but for how they're going to get on against Bayern, well... It depends what and side show up. Um, and it depends if Bremen want to get themselves together. I thought they dropped off a little bit too much. They gave Hoffenheim too much ball um, in the areas where they're dangerous. If their pressing wasn't particularly good. I thought Hoffenheim's pressing was a lot better. Um, so I would be fearful for them a little bit. that If they don't get their act together in training during this week, they could get a few smashed past them.
4: Yeah, if I may make one last point on Bayern Munich, I think... A lot will change to the positive for them once Thiago comes back because he has been their best player last season in my mind. And I, I think he will be the same again. He's just uh, yeah, the pivot in midfield who brings it all together. And when he is there, they look like a whole different animal when, than when he is not there.
0: Yeah, couldn't agree more. Thiago is a vital cog in that engine, isn't he? Um Guys, we're we're going to move away from Bayern now. Uh, we're going to speak a little bit more of Hoffenheim, just like Chris had mentioned. Uh, Chris was uh, obviously there, and obviously we've got a bit of a keen interest uh, in the coming week when they play their second leg to uh, Liverpool. Uh, but uh, Chris, uh, how do you see Nagelsmann's side getting on this year? Do, do you see it being a, a good season for them, or somewhat more challenging after the players that they lost?
2: Well. I'll reserve judgment on that for a little bit uh, with the plays they've lost. How did they react? Well, they made some whole cha- wholesale changes from the Champions League game, and I thought they played well, actually, on the whole, because they were quite a changed side. Um, and how are they going to get on this week? Well, I think we'll get to that. But Saturday, they were okay. If, if It was a dullish game, um, and it was a deflected goal that won it. But out of the two teams, they were probably the better. Um, in, in retrospect, I thought... Um, I thought Kevin a vote had a good game at the back. Uh, Dembry was excellent. Uh, Uth was when he was on. He was very busy. Zuba was very busy as well. Cramrich uh, obviously was a game changer when he came on. It was nice to see Serge Gnabry as well. He looked really lively. So there's you know, a couple of players who have come in and one's come in permanently that may be able to step them up and and make them challenge, it all depends, Bryce, how they get on on Wednesday, really. If they drop into the Europa League, I think they'll have a great season in that competition. I think it will suit them a little better. First time in Europe, maybe won't as as get as as dominated as such with some of the bigger teams because they would be a pot three team in the Champions League. I think they would get on a lot better in the Europa League. And still, then be able to challenge for a um, you know Bundesliga European places come the end of May. I think they will do okay this season. And with Nagelsmann, you it must be a nightmare. We spoke about it before. It must be a real nightmare how you set your side up because he can have them playing two or three different ways, and they play very, very well. And he's very demanding on the side, always shouting, always barking instructions, and he, he's never happy. Which I think you need as a coach. You always need your players to be improving and. It felt like they were always going to score, um, especially once the second half started to kick in after it was about 60 minutes. It only ever looked like it was going to be one team. Um, Tried to speak to Julian Nagelsmann at the end, wasn't particularly keen on speaking to me in English, but was lucky enough to um, speak to captain Kevin Vogt, and this is what he had to say about the performance on Saturday and Wednesday's match Anfield. Kevin, how important was it to get a result after Tuesday night?
5: Yeah, for us it was uh, very important because, yeah, we make a a big game, I think, uh, Tuesday night. And, yeah, but we do not win, we do not score. So, uh, yeah, it was very, very important for us to win the first Borussia game. And, yeah, now we want to drive with a big chest uh, to Liverpool. Uh,
2: Bremen made you wait. Uh, You had to be patient. Did it feel it wasn't going to come at some point, or did you know the goal was going to come eventually?
5: Uh, yeah, we believe in our quality, so we um, we have much quality of, um, from the bench today. If uh, yeah we have good strikers uh, from the beginning of the pitch and when you have the quality from the bench to change uh, two or three more players uh, yeah, we are so offensive, so good in the offensive. so yeah, we believe every, every minute of the game that we can we can score, but we do it every game because we know about our qualities. Yeah we, we play with the, yeah, I think we, I can say we play with very much discipline. So and that was the key to success today.
2: Um, and now eyes go towards Wednesday night when you go to Anfield. Do you think you can do
5: it and how are you gonna do it? Yeah, I think we can do it. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, when we see the the game on, on Tuesday. Um, yeah, we have many chances to score. that was almost say that we do not score enough. So um yeah, well this is uh, I think this is the key. We have to score. Um also at the Road and um Yeah, we believe in ourselves. So um yeah, I'm I'm very excited of the stadium of the atmosphere and um yeah now we can yeah when I think about it I, I drive with a smile to Amphit Road and I'm yeah, I can say it again. I'm very excited and um yeah, we believe that we can we can come directly in the championship, of course. Kevin, okay, well, thank you very much.
2: Bye. So you can see there, Bryce, that um, he is ready and he is looking forward to Wednesday night as the whole team will be. But they felt that they had enough quality to win that match. And I'll agree with him that it did look like it was more of a matter of time when they were going to score. So as the season goes on, I'm not sure if they can finish where they did again, but they will certainly be back in the European places and fighting for it towards the end of the season. And that and that's only going off one 90-minute performance. But enough of what I saw Tuesday and on Saturday makes me think they'll be all right this season.
3: You know, Nagelsmann was pretty, well, complained he's made the wrong word, but... He said it was a lot harder for them. It felt a lot harder than it did many times last season because teams are now actually defending against Hoffenheim because all of a sudden they're considered a top team, right? And, um, something that they maybe have to get used to. That's not something that's going to bother them on Wednesday because of obviously Liverpool have the lead, but. <laughs> and can't defend. <laughs> yeah. And can't defend. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, maybe, uh, something that we leave to the Liverpool guys to discuss. But you know that is that is a completely new scenario, right? For for a team like Hoffenheim, all of a sudden you being taken serious, which is something that didn't happen last season to them.
0: Yeah, Stefan, do do you see there being any possibility of Nagelsmann's men getting to the Champions League this week?
4: Well, due to the randomness in football, I cannot speak in absolutes. <laughs> <laughs> However, I don't really think they they will get back into this at all. I mean, there is one statistic, and I think that's one statistic enough, that never has a German side won at Anfield. And I don't think that's going to change with Hoffenheim. I said it before the game, and then exactly that happened, that Hoffenheim will be praised for playing well because they did. But in the end, they will make one or two mistakes too many. And uh, Liverpool will be just be just that bit more ruthless because of experience, of in- individual quality. Of course, you know, a player like Mane is someone Hoffenheim do not have. And we saw it with Kamaric and that penalty he had. There were just too many nerves involved. And I don't think that will go away when you play it. And feel you mustn't forget. For many players, it's actually their biggest game of their career so far. And I don't think Hoffenheim have what it takes to step up there to be mentally fit. However... When it comes to Julian Nagelsmann, um, the good thing about him being a very good coach is that, uh, yeah, he can make a team a cohesive team, meaning that uh, the sum is better than its parts. And uh, I think that already showed in the in the first leg, where Hoffenheim were the better side for I would say for almost the entire game. However, they could not profit from that, and I don't see them profiting in the second leg either, where. Liverpool, I think, will approach the game a little bit different themselves because uh, they awarded Hoffenheim a lot of freedom, and I don't think that will happen in the second leg. Like, I think Jurgen Klopp will say, "Okay, guys, it's about gegenpressing now, <laughs> <laughs> and let's uh, not let's not give them so much space and time again, but uh, yeah, make things a little bit more chaotic for Hoffenheim, and as soon as that happens, I think they
3: will lose their heads." So. To, to give you a short answer, no. <laughs> it is. You mentioned yeah. that statistic, though. That's a very dangerous statistic because every statistic ends. I'm just saying that. But I, I would agree <laughs> with Stefan. Um, it's unlikely. But again, you know. Well, we, we've this... seen it with Dortmund. There must be some kind of curse. Yeah, there must be because... Uh... Liverpool still don't know how they actually won that game. But let's let's, uh, maybe move on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, well. We'll
0: just talk about it all again next week, won't we, Chris? Anyway, um... Let's move on. Um, we'll have plenty of time to talk about. And I, as far as I know, uh, Chris, you're going to be there, aren't you? Covering the uh, Liverpool Hoffenheim game. I will only be there in the stands. But um... uh, yeah,
2: credit, yeah, accreditation came through this afternoon. Well, it didn't come through. I, 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 I rang up and found out I'd been accredited this afternoon. So, um, so yeah, I'll be there Tuesday. Well, tomorrow, as this being recorded Monday, I'll be there Tuesday for press conferences, and then obviously for the game on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Exciting
0: times for football, grand, eh? Definitely tune in, uh, guys. We'll have plenty of updates, photos, and everything else. Uh, but, guys, let's go back to the Bundesliga uh, for now, rather than Europe. And, yeah, aside that we mentioned uh, ever so slightly earlier, and that they've got Bayern uh, coming up next. Unfortunate for them, um, is. Uh, Werner Bremen, um, it w- wasn't the best start, was it, uh, Manu, for them? And uh, it might be a little bit of a tough season for them.
3: Yeah, I think that, uh, I, I don't know, I'm curious to hear what you think about this, Stefan, but I think that Alexander Nuri is maybe the most overrated young coach in German football. I I just, um, I think that his decision making in a lot of ways is very poor. Um, the Wiedwald situation is one of them. Um, axing a coach who is obviously, you know, a big part of the club and bringing in a, an unexperienced co, uh, goalkeeper is something I didn't quite understand. And then I, they had that run in the second half of the season last year. But, you know, um, I just don't feel that as a side that they have improved over, over the summer and, and that they're a little bit too thin of a squad. And I i am just not convinced that he is, a is that good of a coach. Um, you know, I want to, want to keep the Bremen situation brief because we still have to cover Chris's experience in, in Freiburg. But, you know, I just, I <laughs> no, just, we yeah, no, we don't. no, we don't. We can <laughs> do that in a minute. We can do that okay. in a minute. But I just don't, I don't, you know, there's, there is something about Alexander Nouri where I just don't feel, um, it's more hot air than actual coaching, uh, talent, um, with him. And there is some decisions that he's made. He makes decisions to, to expand his power base in Bremen. And I don't don't think that all of these decisions are leading towards Bremen becoming a better club.
4: Well, maybe he thought uh, when he puts Pavlenka in goal, he saves all the Panenkas. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> to, to be honest, I think um, even if Alexander Nuri is not the best coach in the world, um, Werder Bremen don't really have that much ambition anywho. So as long as they are not, being relegated i think they're fine i think they're gonna finish somewhere between 14th and 11th and that's where where they are where they should be okay with and if they have cruiser battles and uh i don't know pizarro is not there anymore but uh yeah but max cruiser and finn battles they can make a lot of difference in- individually even with a coach that yeah doesn't really have anything exciting about him i think that that should be enough for the bundesliga is to have a definitely... lower mitability. yeah i think so
3: that's two players you know, and...
4: yeah but two <laughs> two pretty good players yeah well pretty... way better than the rest of the squad
3: yeah that's that well that's exactly my point what happens if you know max cruiser is does what max cruiser does and uh you know plays too many eats too many nutella breads again and uh goes on a poker spree or just you loses form you know we, he can be really good but he can also you know go offline for several weeks and um that squad is very thin it's, well
4: manuel if that happens
3: then they're screwed <laughs> <It's> <laughs> well, so this. well that's exactly my point though i just i i i just don't think that they've done enough and i don't think they have a coach you know, they don't have a Nagelsmann. And Nuri in Bremen seems to be hailed as this like Nagelsmann coach because of what he done in the second half of the season. But he can't make, a. you know, you spoke about how Nagelsmann makes a team that the Hoffman is better than the sum of all of its parts. Nuri can't do that in Bremen. And I, that makes me a bit fearful for them.
4: Yeah, one last point on Bremen maybe is that I actually believe that they have affected that Hoffenheim will never happen. That's their fan base mm. because they can galvanize this whole club, and they've done it in the past two seasons. And I don't know, maybe it's the football romantic in me speaking here, but I think it actually makes makes a difference that uh, yeah, their passionate support, especially toward the end of the season where it's money time. That's uh, yeah, it's it helps that they have their that psychological edge on the field and really uh, yeah, put in the fight. And I think that that makes a difference. So I'm not too worried about Werder Bremen, but it's not like I would expect them finishing in the top half of the table anytime soon.
0: And that's that. That's Werder Bremen covered, I feel. Um, guys, uh, we're going to speak a little bit. Um, this might be a very tiny bit on Freiburg against uh, Frankfurt. Obviously, Chris, uh, you were there. Um, you said Freiburg was beautiful. Is there any other taking away points?
2: Um, yeah, Freiburg is a beautiful city, um, and I was so impressed with it. I'm going to take my wife and kids there on holiday next summer. That's how much I loved it. Um, <laughs> and the the stadium is a traditional stadium, complete with restricted view. Uh, it's it'll be a shame when that place goes. It's it's so tight, and it was such a nice day, and I could smell the bratwurst going up, and all I wanted to do was drink. Um, and about 25, 30 minutes into the game, all I wanted to do was drink. Um, and it didn't really change from that. It was one of the dullest uh, nil-nils I've, I've seen in a while. The last 30 minutes I could have you know, left and probably jumped on the road and beat the traffic and still got to my hotel in Frankfurt four hours later and wrote the same thing in the minute-by-minute report. It seemed to be going nowhere. I think the only... Um, Positive from the day was seeing um, Boateng come on. That he looked slightly lively, um, and and oh, VAR made an appearance, didn't it? So there there is a takeaway. Uh, VAR made a, uh, an appearance. There we go. We should talk about
3: that actually. The VAR. I like Christian Streich's quote. Yesterday that would have been a goal. Um, that's I I love that. That's probably the quote of the day. You know because they had a goal ruled out because of VAR and the. the on Saturday, uh, VAR completely failed in, in a lot of stadiums. And I just love that quote. It's like, yesterday, that would have been a goal. Um, Chris, I know you're you, are, you are a big fan of VAR, Uh So what's your opinion on that? <laughs>
2: um, well, I, it's, it, I'll tell you what the Bundesliga does do. It does it quick, doesn't it? It does it very quick. Um, in the Confederation Cup, it was a little bit... Going through, um, it's like running through sand. And then, my God, some of the stuff I've seen over in America and MLS that takes minutes, three minutes, some of it.
3: Yeah, MLS um, does it the way you shouldn't do it.
2: Yeah, but but they get it right.
4: Uh, do they do in the, they go on a commercial break like at the NFL? Oh, then... I'm
3: I'm sure it will happen soon, <laughs> Stefan.
2: <laughs> but but yeah, we saw it. I didn't really get to see it because Freiburg is such a, an old traditional stadium it didn't have a screen Um so I had to uh, have a look when I got back to the hotel a little bit later but yeah it was I'll tell you what last season we were very impressive Freiburg weren't we mm. uh, I think the players they've lost I may fear for them a little bit. I think they'll be involved in some sort of relegation scrap later on. They'll certainly be dragged into the 15th down or maybe 13th downwards. And they could find themselves in a fight um, unless they bring someone in on loan before the end of the window.
0: Uh, just moving away from uh, Freiburg, uh uh, we were going to move to uh, Bundesliga two at uh, this stage, but uh, I, I feel, Manu, can you give us a quick word on RB Leipzig? They lost this weekend, didn't they?
3: Yeah, um, and it didn't look that great. I I thought that the the uh, you know the great football that they were playing last season wasn't it wasn't as fluid, and um, maybe some of that is down to to Schalke. I think Chris and Ivy might be eating um some humble pie later down this season with Tedesco <laughs> I think we could because <laughs> his his team looked good I thought the Konoblanca goal um Konoblanca actually finally looks like the player that I got to know when I lived in Ukraine and uh he, he's a he's a wonderful player and for some odd reason it didn't work out for him in Sevilla it didn't work for him out last season and I guess um he finally got the coach that he needed he took care of that himself on Ukrainian television so um Good for him. Tedesco and him seem to be a good match. And I think, you know, Schalke could be one of those teams that, um, could surprise us this season and do quite well. And would also mean that Chris and I would look a little bit like fools. But I thankfully we, a couple of weeks ago, Chris and I kind of, um, paddled back a little bit. Uh, the one thing that could hurt Schalke is the Hervitas situation. I thought, um, dismantling him as the team captain and not fielding him is a bit of a questionable move i'm not sure what's going on there exactly he wasn't
4: really match fit though well, is that was that what it was didn't he play at the confederations cup
3: no no
4: i don't know but i i think there was something that he wasn't 100 percent yet and which is why he came off the bench
3: is that the official version because
4: i have no idea it's not like i put a lot of research in that yeah, no, I, it just seems <laughs> I odd. just snapped that up on, on Twitter, some yeah. shark fans saying that he wasn't fit or so. Um,
3: yeah. Yeah, it seems odd that it happens right after he was dismantled as the club coach. And of course, it's rumors that he made this offers from England. I'm, I'm not quite sure that that's what's going to happen. But it is, um you know, that's something that they have to resolve because he is quite an important player for them, not necessarily just on the pitch, but off off the field too you know he's been there forever and he had the chance to leave Schalke in the past and didn't and stayed on even when times were tough so it's it's just something that I didn't quite understand why you would open that can of worms right now at this point you know with a young coach coming in but you know they got the result that they needed and they got it in really good fashion so you know what what do I know maybe Tedesco is onto something.
0: Yeah, I I did say he would have a good season, but it's very early days. I I said
2: he'd be gone by match day five, so I might look (laughs) a fool um, come match day six. He
0: he could lose the next four, to be fair, but um, let's see. Let's see how it all pans out. Uh, Bundesliga 2, let's move to that for a final few minutes. And, yeah, a a bit of big transfer news, uh, Manu. Uh, Uchida's headed to uh, Union Berlin, isn't he? I mean, this is a big... uh, a pretty big uh, move for them, isn't it? I
3: mean, he's, he's moving down from Schalke. Yeah, that is, it's it's an interesting one. I mean, he has been plagued by injuries, um, Atsudo Oshida. So, but, you know, a sh- bit of a Schalke, not legend, but, you know, he's definitely always loved their um, darling, let's say. Yeah, darling, you know, that's a perfect word. He's a darling at Schalke. And, uh, but it's, you know, if he's fit, he could be a, a good fit at Onyo Berlin and, um, Keller, of course, knows him. Jens Keller, the head coach. And I think that's that's a good move for Union Berlin. I still think that Union could be thereabouts when it comes to a promotion. And, um, you know, they, they needed to, you know, bring in some experience. So let's hope that Oshida stays fit and then he could be a really good addition for that club.
0: Yeah, most certainly. And so, Stefan, if, if we look at the league, I mean... Obviously, last year we've seen uh, Ingolstadt and Darmstadt uh, drop down. Um, Ingolstadt are right at the bottom of uh, Bundesliga 2 at the moment. You have three losses. I mean, conceded six goals in those three games. Uh, things are looking rather concerning for them.
4: Yeah, of course. I mean, they had had some players leaving. And uh, I assume for a side like Ingolstadt, it's not easy to... Uh, Acclimatized to Bundesliga because they, when they got promoted, they were playing, yeah, like the favorites, and then they were the underdogs. And now, you know, they they have to change their underdog football to, uh, yeah, being approached to a team that got relegated from the Bundesliga. And uh, yeah, teams like Jan Regensburg, like on the on the weekend, are taking advantage of that. And I don't really think that uh, Ingolstadt are looking too good right now at all, even, even though if, yeah, they stayed together in their core. I mean, Brigerie, Matip, Lex, Leshkano, Co, and they're all still there about. But um, yeah, they are not clicking. They are, I don't know, trying to figure out what kind of football they want to play. And uh, in the meantime, other teams are rolling over them. I think that's something we see quite often if uh, teams from the Bundesliga get relegated that they need some time to uh yeah acclimatize to the second division. We saw I think, with Hanover and Stuttgart too, to some certain extent. That's uh and even Cologne in that one season, uh, that it took them a while and uh yeah basically then had to run the table. So yeah, not looking good for Ingolstadt but personally I wouldn't really miss them. Mm.
0: Second <laughs> the second the, sec-
4: the the second division has so many great clubs there. I uh I'm looking forward to anyone who's coming up apart from Darmstadt and Ingolstadt. I don't no, know of
0: well, well, well Stefan, is there anyone that you would prefer? Any one or two sides that you would really like to see return to the Bundesliga? Uh,
4: not in particular, but I like, for example, Union Berlin to just, just because of very selfish reasons, I want to go to uh, the Alte Verser when Dortmund play there and uh, have a nice little work day because it's probably a very nice stadium. And otherwise, I don't know, Dusseldorf or... For all I care, even, even Bochum or Dynamo Dresden or St. Pauli, you know, there are just so many great clubs, as I said before, that I can see in the first division without any, any problem. But the, the real problem is there is no team in the second division where I see them staying up more than the season when they get up.
3: Nuremberg maybe, if they can get the act together because of the fan base mm, don't, and all that. I don't,
4: but... don't even see Nuremberg getting promoted.
3: Yeah, Honestly, no, I don't yeah, you, you're definitely right about that. But as a size of the club, you know, the old traditional team from a big city and Yeah,
4: but they have a running trick, so screw them. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> Simple as that.
0: That's, that's uh, a good point. Guys, uh, do, do, does anyone fancy uh, Darmstadt to come back up under Torsten Frings? I mean, they beat uh, Pauli 3-0 over the weekend. Uh, I mean, you may not want them to come up, but do, do you see it possibly happening? No.
4: Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, there we go. I, go I, I see it. I see it because uh, I I think we we saw a very positive development with Thorsten Frinks, and I have some faith in him. And uh, you know, everything being said about me not believing in in Nürnberg getting promoted, but the truth is, the second division is so close that it doesn't really take much to be in a in a race for promotion. This season and whoever gets a nice little streak is, is up there so i don't i don't i don't think it, it, there will be the one team that that's running away with it so i do fancy Darmstadt having a chance i wouldn't you know put money on either team right now just because of the argument that so many have a good chance so yeah, they could come back they had a good start to win swan draw so why
3: not yeah, you might as well roll some dice with that league right now. I I'll, I'll totally second that. It's such such yeah. a tight league because there's no no Stuttgart or Hannover in there. We all knew Stuttgart and Hannover would go up. And um we don't have that. A competitive year. league in Germany, who who would have known? <laughs> yeah. It's nice. <laughs>
0: Well, at the moment, guys, uh, on the Monday night game, we've got BNFL are beating Bochum uh, 2-0 currently at halftime, and that would then put them top of the league. Many people probably wouldn't have called that one. But we're going to move on now. We're g- going to do uh, one final thing, as we always do before we wrap it up, and we're going to call out our games of the week uh, to tune into next week. So, Stefan, you may not be um, as aware, uh, but um, we we normally pick out a game uh, next week that we'd like people to uh, tune in. Uh, and watch for a certain reason. Uh, it could be that somebody's never watched Bundesliga before. Give them a very quick reason um, why you've picked uh, a certain game. Uh, so, Stefan, uh, what game are you going to highlight next week?
4: Uh, I'm I'm just looking through the through schedule, and I have to say there's nothing really appealing. So I'm just going to say Bayer Leverkusen against Hoffenheim, because I think uh, tactically and technically... Those sides are rather even and that should be a very open and very interesting game to see if Leverkusen can actually confirm the good game they had against Bayern and how Hoffenheim will fare after a European night because it's always important to see how their season will go if they uh, can deal with it. And if you want to see a terrible game, check out Frankfurt against Wolfsburg. That should be
0: absolutely dreadful. <laughs> nice. Chris, let's go to you. What game are you going to highlight next week?
2: I'm going for Friday night's game, Cologne against Hamburgers. I just want to see how uh, Cologne uh, do after the weekend, and likewise, how uh, Hamburg do after the weekend, because they were dreadful at times last season. In-
4: Spoiler and Cologne. alert, Cologne will win this because Hamburg are still dreadful.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, good, yes, good call. Um, but so that's what I will be looking at, Bryce. Obviously, I'll watch them all, but particularly Friday
0: good good and Manu uh, what game would you like to highlight
3: oh I'm actually gonna be on Bundesliga Chef for this one so I have to watch them all but um, it's a very good question I'll go for the no one else picked it so the 6.30 evening game Borussia Dortmund Hertha Berlin Why? (laughs) Well, I think it's going to be a good game. Also, my shift ends at 6.30, so that's going to be the only game I can enjoy. (laughs) How's it relevant for listeners? (laughs) It's relevant to me. (laughs) I think it's going to be a really good game. I think Dortmund have to show that um, the result against Wolfsburg was, you know, that it actually wasn't just them beating up on one of the poorer sides, as Stefan put it. And uh, Hertha Berlin have to show that, you know, that it wasn't just another, you know, um, grinded out result that they got against Stuttgart. So I think it's going to be an interesting game.
4: Yeah, but Berlin are like one of the most unattractive sites in the Bundesliga. I would never pick them for any fixture (laughs) to advertise the Bundesliga. Never.
3: But Dortmund are an interesting team to watch, so it's going to be all Yeah, but against Hertha, the games are always drab, so... Uh, We'll see. We'll see. They'll surprise us.
0: Let's
4: let's just see. Everything is possible in football.
0: Yeah, (laughs) everything. Very true. We've seen it all, haven't we? But uh, I'll pick a a Sunday game. Let me go for Hanover versus Schalke. I'll pick that for the reason that Hanover, newly promoted, beat Mainz last week. I want to see if they can keep it up. And yeah, Schalke, because I want them to uh, obviously win for a few weeks just so I can. Which uh, Chris uh, eat his words, really. But um, that, that's about it. Um, how nice of me. Uh, guys, um, Stefan, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Uh, what have you got coming up that you'd like to draw people's attention to? Or where can people find you on the likes of Twitter?
4: Uh, they can find me at Stefan Bootskoo and everything
0: that I do or don't do, they can find there <laughs> on Twitter. So. Very good. Well, well, thank you for having us on, uh, Chris. Manu, would you like to uh, plug anything coming up this week?
3: Yeah, just the Champions League, Europa League previews. The Champions League are up. Europa League will be going up by the time the podcast is on, and then of course Chris is at Anfield, so um, let him let him introduce that.
2: Uh, yeah, obviously I'll be on field. So uh, preview will be up after the press conferences tomorrow, um, and then loads of pre-match build-up uh, video outside the ground. I'll try and get some uh, interaction with fans, uh, and especially those that have travelled. And then yeah, main event from um, quarter to eight UK time, uh, quarter to nine on the continent. We'll see if Hoffenheim can do it, or if Liverpool will go on
0: very exciting for both sets of fans um, I've been your host uh, Bryce Dunn. Um, if you want to check out any of our stuff go to football grad uh, website or at footballgrad live on Twitter thank you very much for tuning in and I'll be the same
1: seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und. Tanz vor Über den Asphalt als wär's sein Rhythmus als gelb sein Lied Dass mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht komm dir entgegen Ich hab zu It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right?
4: Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want,
3: anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be
4: unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com
1: and search Unbound. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer.
2: If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope,